We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. to the October 16th, 2017 College Football Show, our Road of His Radio podcast. I'm Kyle Pollock on Twitter at KylePollockFF, and joining me is my co-host, Jordan Hoover, at jhoover9787 on Twitter. Jordan, how you doing tonight? I'm good, Kyle. We had a uh, pretty crazy weekend of college football, ton of upsets, a bunch of top 25 teams went down. We saw some dominating performances from some of the teams, and we're transitioning into... Um, this next weekend coming up, we got some some top end matchups that we're going to preview, and yeah, I'm ready to get started. Yeah, this was probably the craziest week of the season so far. Like you said, four top ten teams fall, um, seven top twenty five overall. Um, so we'll get right into it. Um, things kind of started off on Friday night. Um, got a little weird there. Syracuse knocked off Clemson um, in what was. Probably the biggest upset of the week. I don't know what the line exactly was, but it was 27-24. Um, Syracuse won that game at home. Kelly Bryant got hurt in the first half. Um, he had came in with a bad ankle and uh, got a pretty nasty-looking concussion. He wasn't moving there for about a minute or two um, right at the end of the first half and didn't come back into the game. Um, Clemson's defense just looked off all night. Um, Syracuse was able to get uh, you know some push on the line of scrimmage. Um, on both sides of the ball. Um, their defensive line looked really good against uh, Clemson's offensive line. Um, seems like it was more of just a, an off game for Clemson as a whole. Uh, I think Dabo Sweeney said, you know, right from the start, from the first drive, he could kind of tell they um, they didn't have it that night. So just a, just a weird game overall. Um, I was n- not expecting this at all. Um, I thought Syracuse would be able to you know, keep it close. They have, they have some decent skill talent on offense. Um, Eric Dungy, their quarterback's uh, been a solid college fantasy guy, and so has uh, Steve Ishmael. Um, he was one of the leading receivers in the country coming into this game, and he had another productive game for them. But um, overall, this just kind of got the ball rolling for the whole weekend with uh, you know weird stuff going on. Yeah, I guess we should have maybe expected something, something funny to happen Friday the 13th, uh, night game in the Carrier Dome. It was. It, I didn't catch the entire game, but the parts that I saw um, before Kelly Bryant went out, he didn't seem right. And I know that he was a little bit dinged up coming in, and they decided to roll with him anyways. And I think that it wasn't, he just wasn't quite right, in my opinion, before the concussion. And that was a pretty scary moment. I actually watched that live when he got basically 
you know, suplexed to the ground, and he was completely out immediately, just not moving. So that was a pretty scary sight. Um, but I wanted to mention uh, our boy Travis Etienne. He had a pretty long touchdown run, 52 yards. He's, again, you know, just he's super explosive. It's good to see him get touches. He only had five carries in this game, so he wasn't really used that much. But um, good to see him uh, get some touches. And Eric Dungey, you mentioned the Syracuse quarterback. He had a really strong game. Uh, he he sort of got dinged up too, and I, I want to say in the third quarter, but finished out the game. And he's someone that, uh, you know, like you said, uh, as like a as a college fantasy guy because of his huge numbers in the system. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on if you think he is someone that we should be paying closer attention to as far as the NFL draft is concerned. Uh, I don't really think right now he has an NFL future. He's been kind of inconsistent. Um, he won that job about midway through last year. Um, you know, he's got the size. Uh, he's got some rushing ability, but I kind of want to see more. Obviously, Syracuse isn't a great team, and um, he hasn't been able to do much, you know, statistically. Well, uh, he's been put up, putting up big stats on a bad team, kind of one of those guys. Um, so right now, until he kind of starts showing more uh, flashes of NFL-type traits, um, I wouldn't say he has a future, but I'd say he's a guy to kind of keep on a, a watch list more. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, and, and just overall, this is a great win for, for Dino Babers and the program, Syracuse. Um, we we kind of saw them, you know, they hung around with LSU, near almost won that game against LSU earlier in the season. So I think they're a team that can, that can definitely stick with, you know, hang around with, with teams that are more talented and deeper than they are. And I think that that's a, probably a trend that we're going to see moving forward for the rest of the season. So that's something to keep in mind um, as we go forward. Yeah, definitely. The uh, ACC uh, Atlantic is shaping out a little weird right now, um, just like a lot of other conferences. Um, NC State controls their own destiny. They're undefeated in conference. Um, Clemson's 4-1 and one in conference. They're in second just because they have more wins, but it's obviously Syracuse beat them. Um, so they're now 2-1 and one in conference. Um the NC State controls their own destiny, and they're up to 16, I believe, in the AP poll this week. Um, so kind of just some, some stuff to monitor there. Syracuse still has a chance to win the win the conference, surprisingly, which would certainly be something, but um, not not a very likely situation, I would say. Yeah, it's uh, NC State, you know, we, we talked about them in the preview, how I think we both were pretty high on them, um, con- you know, relative to how they performed last year, they had a lot of pieces coming back and a really great defensive line. And like you said, it's kind of, you know, the ball is in their court now. And if they can just handle their business, um, that's going to be a great finish for that team. Mm-hmm. Um, sticking with the Friday the 13th, uh, Night of Craziness, uh, the game that I probably thought was more surprising than that, um, not the actual team that beat them, just the actual way the game went, was uh, Washington State uh, falling to Cal 37-3. Um, this game was at Cal. So, you know, I thought Cal might be able to challenge him a little bit. Obviously, I thought Washington State was a better team. That was not the case. Um, Luke Falk got benched in this game, I'm pretty sure. I did stay up for, you know, all of it because, you know, Pac-12 after dark, you know, in a blowout on a Friday night. Um, not not really my cup of tea, personally. But um, I watched most of this game, and Falk was just, he was just off his game all night. Um, the, he, had, he had five turnovers um, coming into the game. He had only had two interceptions on the year. Um, they just couldn't get anything going on offense. They had that defense that had been um, so improved for them this year um, really just was not there this game. Um, Vic and Wary for Cal had 102 rushing yards. Um, glad to see him finally get some run. I, uh, he was a guy that kind of, you know, in the limited amount of action that I liked, but um, just hasn't shown enough, I think. Um, overall, I think this game and uh, the other game we'll get to later on with Washington is one that's really going to have a uh, probably a huge impact on the the college football playoff picture just because of what it's going to do to you know the Pac-12 it really weakens it as a conference in my opinion yeah this weekend was especially hard like you said for the Pac-12 this this game um kind of I'm, I'm in a similar situation as you on the east coast I may have watched 10 12 minutes of this game before I checked out because like you said it's late um but seven turnovers for Washington State you're just not going to win football games when you turn the ball over seven times. It's just pretty much as simple as that. And and like you said, I definitely did not see this type of result. I thought, kind of like you, I figured that it would be close, but this was not close and completely swung the opposite direction. So, 
it'll be interesting to see how Washington State can, if they can, bounce back from this. I still think they're a decent team. I don't think that what they've done up to this point was, you know, an illusion necessarily. But I don't know if they just weren't mentally prepared. But but we just really don't see Luke Falk make that many poor decisions. Like you said, five interceptions. Um, just I think that if you're a Washington State uh, coach or player, you really just have to do the old cliche and just throw this game out and try and start fresh because there wasn't really much to take away from this. Yeah, and if he had any shot, I think, of making it to New York for that Heisman Trophy race, I think that's kind of out the window now for him. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, and same thing with the Pac-12 now. Um, Stanford sits atop the conference just because of they have the most wins, but um, they're 4-1, and one, and Washington and Washington State are both 3-1. and one. Um, Washington has Washington left on the schedule to go to Washington, to Utah, home for Stanford, and at Arizona now, too. So, um, kind of a, a tough slate ahead for them, I think, too. I'm not sure if they'll be able to, uh, you know, go undefeated in that. I definitely think they'll probably come out with at least one loss, maybe two. So, um, kind, kind of tough sweating for them there. Keeping on with Pac-12, like I was saying, um, Washington fell last night in what was another weird game, uh, 13-7 to at Arizona State. Um, Arizona State uh, had a play on, they went for it on 4th and 3 late in the 4th quarter where if they hadn't gotten it, Washington would have gotten the ball back after just scoring um, at, I believe, the Arizona State 40. Um, looked good for them, kind of a, a, a botched play for Arizona State. Uh, overthrew uh, Manny Wilkins overthrew his receiver but it fell right into the hands of a receiver right behind him and Arizona State was able to run out the clock on Washington um, the biggest surprise for me in this game was just Arizona State's defense really came to play um, you know, Washington has had one of the most ex- explosive offenses in the country for the past two years I'd say, year and a half I guess uh, if you want to get technical but um, they really got shut down tonight couldn't get anything going on the ground 31 carries for 91 yards um, for the whole team. Jake Browning was pretty ineffective. I'm not a big Jake Browning fan, and this game kind of reinforced that for me. Um, you know, they had five sacks on the game. Overall, Arizona State looked solid in this game. Um, I think Todd Graham might have saved his job. And, yeah, um, and I know Nikhil Harry, um, we like him. He led their team in receiving, so he's kind of the standout uh, in terms of offensive players. But overall, just another weird back 12 game that got weird after dark. Yeah, it seems to be a theme. This was, uh, looking at the box score, this is a pretty ugly game. I mean, neither team got over 300 total yards offense. You you know, you know, mentioned how um, Jake Browning struggled in this game against an Arizona State defense that I really don't think is that good, and, and this is another kind of just strange outcome. Um, there's, a ton of, there's a ton of talent on that Washington offense. You know, we talked about Miles Gaskin. He had 67 yards on 14 carries, just sort of a ho-hum game, and Dante Pettis, who is always a threat downfield, he had seven catches, 56 yards. He was kept in check. Um, it's just kind of a tough, tough outing for Washington on the road. Kalen Balage, a guy that we've talked about a lot, he struggled again. Now, Washington is a very good defense. I'll give him that, but he had 17 yards on nine carries, kind of keeping with the trend of his inefficiency so far this year. And I, I, I'm kind of sort of at a at an interesting point with Balaj because while I agree that he shows the physical traits, it's getting to the point now where the production just isn't matching. And I think that we've maybe talked about this briefly on a prior pod, but do you are you sort of starting to trend that way or do or are you still kind of buying in on the on the athletic projection? Um I'm not gonna you know buy in until I actually see the athleticism obviously I think it's there but I think he's probably been um, maybe the biggest loser at the running back position this year I'd say for me um, you know obviously Barkley and Chubb are there um, and Geis that's kind of my clear top three you know Bryce Love has moved up my board Ronald Jones has kind of stayed consistent John Kelly Damian Harris Bo Scarborough all these guys Sony Michelle even to an extent um, so I, you know, I, I've dropped him quite a bit. I still think that athleticism is there. I've kind of moved him down to a tier with, uh, you know, Royce Freeman. I might move Freeman up ahead of him. Um, L.J. Scott, I haven't been super impressed with him this year, but he's been banged up. Um, so he's kind of been dropping, and as he keeps not producing, other guys that are producing are kind of moving up ahead of him. You know, Josh Adams, another guy um, in a similar vein to him. So I think really until the combine, 
he's just going to keep dropping for probably almost everyone. I yeah, I think I think that we're just and not not speaking for other people, but I think that that huge what was it eight touchdown game last year? Yeah, against Texas. Right. Tech. I think that that might just be kind of stuck in people's minds, and I'm the same way because I I think about that all the time. But but it's it's the more and more I think about it, and the more each week goes on, and it's kind of the same story. I'm just kind of souring on the guy. I'm not necessarily throwing him out completely, but I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the next top ten team that lost this week, uh, number four, um, was Auburn. Auburn fell to LSU, twenty-seven to twenty-three. Um, LSU had a great comeback in this game. I'm really impressed by them with that. Um, you know, three thirty games were kind of crazy this week. We had that game going on at the same time as uh, Miami Georgia Tech, which, which came down to the wire, and Oklahoma and Texas. And if anyone's a baseball fan, the Yankees game also came down to the wire right at that time. So really, uh, you know, you had to do a lot of flipping back and forth um, to catch all those games. Um, so I caught some of this game uh, more towards the end because Auburn was blowing them out in the first half. Um, Auburn's receivers have a lot of difficulty getting open, which does not bode well for them when they play Alabama. Um, I think Bama might kind of have the, the West locked up now uh, after seeing that. I know we talked last week about how we thought Auburn might be able to be a threat to them, but um, just their their receivers were not able to get open at all. Um, Stidham uh, was only 9 for 26 on this game. Pretty subpar performance from him. Um, Darius Geis... 20 carries, 71 yards, still a little banged up, kind of coming off that injury. Someone else who hasn't been as productive this year, but, you know, you can see from last year, from his freshman year and his highlight film, I haven't bumped him down, uh, you know, at all or too much. I kind of have him and uh, Nick Chubb as my 2A, 2B now to uh, Saquon Barkley. But, yeah, I think this is another game that kind of shapes uh, shapes the conference a little bit, you know, conference race at least. Um, LSU now. Uh I think kind of puts himself back into that mix for the second spot in the SEC West. Um, again, I don't know if they'll be able to challenge Alabama, but um, them, Auburn, and Texas A&M all have only one loss in conference. So Alabama slips up somewhere along the way, and one of those teams, or you know, LSU or uh, Auburn beats them, um, could potentially be looking at um, one of those going to the SEC West championship. But I really don't see that being too likely. Yeah, two of the two of the guys, uh, on Johnson. He was my cover boy for my article on Rotoviz this past week. Uh, he's he's two things. He's an extremely good football player, and he has a very fun name to make uh, article titles with. So, uh, kudos kudos to him for that. Um, but I actually watched a good chunk of this game, and even though Auburn lost, which um, I didn't necessarily see coming, I thought LSU would come back down after their win last last week, but. Watching Carry On Johnson run, um, he's he's a very gifted, talented running back, and I know that he was a he was a high he was a highly regarded recruit coming out of high school. Um, really hasn't hasn't burst out until just recently, but he's another guy that is quickly climbing up my board. Um, and like you were saying, the the wide receivers for Auburn, it seems like they're they're pretty dependent on the big play. Um, you know, like you said, Stidham completed nine passes. Um, and it seemed like they were they were pretty dependent on the big play. And like you said, that's not really going to fly. That's not really going to work very well against Alabama. So that off that that matchup that looked kind of promising, or at least competitive last week, if this is the indicator, um, I'm not quite sure Auburn will be able to hang with Alabama. Another guy I wanted to touch on too for LSU was DJ Chark, their wide receiver. He had five catches for 150 yards. He was the big play threat, basically the only big play threat on their team. Um, aside from Russell Gage to some extent, but Chark is a guy that you know kind of fits that LSU wide receiver mold that we've seen over the past couple of years. He's uh, he's he's long and lean, um, is a decent downfield player. This is kind of his first big performance, um, but he's someone that I know before the season was getting some buzz as far as draft talk, and I don't necessarily know if he translates extremely well to the next level but this was a um this was an encouraging performance against a pretty good auburn defense and especially considering who who is throwing the ball to him danny etling yeah um we're not the biggest fans of danny etling um <laughs> i think most people know that i don't really know if there are any uh, big danny etling fans if there are um I'd, I'd like to talk to you and, and ask you just why um, his family hopefully yeah hopefully I, you family. know i hope his family for him. That, that'd be sure. you know 
guy needs to have something going for him. Um, one other game we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to have a Mount Mountain West matchup. Um, I didn't catch any of this game, but Boise State uh, knocked off San Diego State 31-14. Uh, Rashad Penny got bottled up pretty well in this game. Um, other than that, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't see any of this game. I'm not really sure how Boise State pulled this game out. Um, Alexander Mattinson had uh, 128 rushing yards for them and a touchdown. Um, he's a guy I like kind of as a up-and-coming, you know, the next Boise State back. Cedric Wilson, their receiver, who we talked about before, um, only had 60 receiving yards. Like I said, only had 125 passing yards as a team. Um, they did have one defensive touchdown, but um, other than that, um, I'm kind of surprised by this, especially after Boise State lost at home to Virginia. Um, so I believe they're going to take the driver's seat in the Mountain West now. Um, and, you know, Penny, I, this hurts his stock a little bit, but... Um, you know, it doesn't do a whole lot to change it for me just because um, you kind of know what he is. You're, you're able to see his first couple of performances. Everyone's entitled to a bad game once in a while. But, um, you know, just kind of another top 25 team falling unexpectedly this week. Yeah, and I guess there's not too much to talk about here. But just because we previewed this game uh, last week, we, we kind of talked up the two guys that you mentioned. Obviously, Rashad Penny and Cedric Wilson both kind of underperformed in this game. But I thought it was a pretty impressive win for Boise State going on the road against a team that was previously unbeaten in the top 25, like you said. Uh, actually, 19th before, before the game. Um, so, I mean, it's a good win for Boise State. Uh, they get to 4-2. and two, And like you said there, I think that they're tr- kind of trending in the right direction. Um, they're definitely not, the, they're not to, the, to the level of Boise State teams that we've seen in the past you know, 5 to 10 years, like we're accustomed to seeing necessarily. But I still really like Cedric Wilson, and um, yeah, just another upset. It, it kind of gets lost in all the madness that happened um, before this game even kicked at 10:30. But just another, you know, top 20 upset on from a road team. Yep, they're uh, they're tied for uh, third in their division in the Mountain West. Uh, Colorado State, Boise State, and uh, Josh Fallon slash Cam Newton led Wyoming are all undefeated. And Fresno State is uh, in the other division is the lone undefeated team, so um, I guess a little unexpected out in the Mountain West, but kind of you know, Colorado State, Boise State, um, you know, two teams that are usually pretty good out there. Wyoming, a lot of people know them because of Josh Allen, and San Diego State still right in there in their division, so not not a big shakeup necessarily, but um, you know, something to watch for down the line. Um, the last game we're gonna recap uh, as a whole is uh, Texas West Virginia uh, knocking off Texas Tech. Um, Texas Tech looked pretty good going into the third quarter. I caught some of this game. Um, but then West Virginia really stormed back. Um, they scored 22 unanswered in the fourth quarter to win. Will Greer, um, guy I like, I know we've talked about before, was, was pretty good in this game. Uh, 32 for 41 with five touchdowns, just one interception. Um, I'll take that any day. Justin Crawford had 47 yards and a touchdown. David Sills, a guy I want to mention. I, I know we briefly mentioned him uh, a couple times. He's the um, former USC quarterback recruit at 13, who's now a wide receiver at West Virginia. But he actually leads the nation in touchdown receptions, um, had three in this game, 12 on the season. Um, you know, it, it, he's a raw player. Um, like I said, was a former quarterback, so kind of transitioning over to the receiver position. First year back out of junior college, playing major college football. But um, I don't expect him to come out this year, but... He's a player who, if he keeps up this production, we saw Kevin White go top five overall from West Virginia just a couple of years ago. Um, I think, you know, I don't think he'll be top five pick or anything like that, but I think he's someone who definitely could have an NFL future. And maybe he's actually good at football. That would be fun too, huh? Yeah. Compared to Kevin White. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a good opportunity for you to take a victory lap on uh, Will Greer. Um, he, you know, they West Virginia scored the final 28 points in this game, which is wild. You generally don't see a comeback like that. Like you said, uh, Texas Tech was up 35-17, um, just about halfway through the third quarter. So pretty much a a pretty embarrassing collapse, if we're being honest, um, uh, for a Texas Tech defense that is has been vastly improved this year. So it's kind of a letdown. Um, I I actually picked Texas Tech outright, and I felt pretty good about it in the third quarter. Um, but yeah, I guess that that happens sometimes. Yeah, Will Greer looked great. Um, like you said, David Sills, he all he does is catch touchdowns. Apparently, he's he found his calling, and it's not throwing the ball; it's catching the ball. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's a it's a good one for West Virginia bounce back again. A, tw- a top twenty five team going down yet again. 
Um, and, you know, going to Morgantown for an early kick, um, a 12 o'clock noon kick, it was a tough spot, I guess, for Texas Tech looking at it in hindsight. But I still think that this Texas Tech team is, is good, and maybe I just overestimated the improvements on the defensive side of the ball a bit. Uh, if you can if you can give up a collapse like that, you still definitely have room to improve. But uh, it's a good come a great comeback for West Virginia, and uh, yeah, a really good performance from Will Greer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll just talk about a couple other teams quick that uh, looked very good this weekend. Um, some of the teams you guys all know, we all know. Um, first up, uh, Alabama Crimson Tide number one in the country uh, unanimously this week as well um, for the first time all season. Um, they knocked off Arkansas 41-9, to um, kind of the same old business for them. Damian Harris has really been impressive for me this year. I just kind of want to touch on him quick. He's really picked it up, um, been more of his touches, scored more touchdowns, had a bunch of long runs. Um, so I, I really liked him. He's someone that's definitely moved up my board um, already at 625 yards and nine touchdowns on the year after just having two last year and one the year before, so that touchdown production has definitely picked up, um, which is something I like to see. And for Arkansas, not a ton to note, except they started a 6'7", 270-pound quarterback, um, which is not something you see every day, so he wasn't great, but, you know, that's something that's awesome to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's the novelty of it, I guess, is co- uh, his name's Cole Kelly, is that correct? Cole, yes, Cole Kelly, yes. okay, yeah. yeah. I think I saw him at some point in a, in a previous Arkansas game, I can't remember, it might have been against Texas A&M, and they brought this huge dude in to run like a like a wildcat run or some sort of weird, you know, some sort of weird play call, and he's just lumbering down the field. He looks like a tall offensive lineman. So it kind of caught my eye a couple weeks ago, and uh, yeah, so it's good to give him a shout-out. He, he definitely did struggle, but what do you expect? I mean, it, most teams aren't going to be able to move the ball. This was kind of just another, like you said, just sort of like an average Alabama beatdown. It's just kind of what they do, and, and they're doing it in conference now, which is scary because conference teams just aren't even coming close. Uh, Texas A&M did, did play well last week. I will I will give them that, but Alabama's dominant, and they showed it again. Yep. Um, the one conference team that I think might be able to come close with them is Georgia. I'm just kind of touching on them again. They beat Missouri 53-28. to um, A little concerning that they gave up 28 points to Missouri, um, 21 in the first half, too. This game was close for a little bit. Um, Drew Locke's a decent quarterback, so, you know, not totally unexpected. Um, like I said before, Rashad Penny, everyone's allowed to slip up every once in a while, and if uh, a slip-up for Georgia is winning a game by 25 points, you know, you'll take that any day of the week. Um, that rushing attack, very balanced again. They had uh, five guys with six carries in this game, split them up pretty evenly um, between DeAndre Swift, Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb, Elijah Holyfield, and Brian Harrion. So, like we've been saying all year, that backfield's supremely talented, and they showed it again this game. Yeah, not too much to mention. I it was the the reason I wanted to talk about it was kind of the the fact that Missouri did score twenty eight points, which I didn't necessarily see coming. Uh, we know Missouri is really bad on defense, and we saw that. Um, but like you said, Drew Locke had a pretty good game considering the opponent, and um, yeah, yeah, Georgia Georgia found a way to roll. Uh, last team that's kind of been rolling lately. Um, it'll be on by this week uh, is the Ohio State Buckeyes. They knocked off Nebraska 56-14 at Nebraska. Um, so kind of a, might have been a little bit of a challenge there, but not for Ohio State. Um, I know Matt Wiss from Rotoviz, who's a big Ohio State fan, tweeted at both of us uh, last night, you know, saying JT Barrett's back. Um, you didn't have anything to do with the JT Barrett hate. That was mainly all me. So um, <laughs> I don't know why he, he, he wrote you in there. but I'm being um, pulled into it. Like I said to, like I said to Matt, um, you know, Barrett's been phenomenal the past couple weeks. I need to give him props there. He's certainly bounced back after those rough uh, first two games. But I kind of want to see him continue it um, against, you know, they got a tough stretch coming up. They have Penn State, Iowa, Michigan State. Um, Illinois, you can call that a bye if you want, and then uh, Michigan. Uh, so, you know, five tough games, four tough games in uh, five games to end the stretch for them. But Barrett certainly improved. Uh, he was 27 for 33 in this game for five touchdowns, 325 yards, so cleaned up the accuracy, which is, you know, that was kind of my biggest concern in decision-making, um, which is, you know, a little worrisome uh, for me as a Penn State fan. A little concerned about that game now that Ohio State's uh, – offense is totally cleaned up and that defense is still really scary um jk dobbins is still really good kind of starting to you know lose some touches to mike weber not totally sure why i think it's pretty clear he's the better back but um you know with that balanced rushing attack they'll have and that scary defense they're certainly a team who i know uh all the advanced metrics still love they're they're like second or third and almost all those uh 
you know, metric. So they're a team that I think is just going to kind of keep rising up. Yeah, and to just briefly touch on JT Barrett again, his his turnaround, is, especially as a downfield thrower, has been one of the most surprising things about this season, in my opinion. And I, I don't think that it's only because of Kevin Wilson, but I feel at least a little bit vindicated now because I was, <laughs> I was super high on Kevin Wilson's arrival, and you know I, I think that maybe it just took some time to get adjusted, but it seems like things are really clicking there. Um, and I think it's just a talented offensive mind uh, orchestrating a team that's full of offensive talent, and it may just be as simple as that. I'm sure that it will be up and down. It's not always going to be like this, but. They really seem to be trending in the correct direction, and they've been rolling ever since that loss to Oklahoma. They're a dangerous team. Um, and just real quick, I wanted to say that Tanner Lee did not look inept in this game. He uh, completed 60% of his throws, 300 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, you know, I, Nebraska is is in a tough spot right now, obviously, but for Tanner Lee, that was probably, the, I'm assuming that's probably his best game of the season, and it came against the toughest team that they're probably going to play outside of, you know, Maybe someone else, but you know, just wanted to throw that in there. A little bit of Tanley love. Yeah, looking confident. Yeah. Maybe he'll get drafted down. Sure. CJ Beathard. CJ Beathard got a lot of playing time today. Anything can happen. Exactly. Um, before we get to the previews this week, just a couple of um, guys I want to highlight um, from the past couple of weeks. Uh, Khalil Tate from Arizona. If you didn't see last week, uh, actually broke the rushing record by a quarterback in the game. Had 327 yards rushing and, and four touchdowns. So I was like, okay, you know, playing Colorado. Lost their defensive coordinator. Maybe it's just a one-game thing. Ran for 230 yards and two touchdowns this week against UCLA. Um, and also has been extremely efficient in his passing the past two weeks. So it looks like Arizona found the quarterback. Um, and they might be dangerous now. Tate, um, kind of out of nowhere. I've never even heard of him before these two games. Um, you know, I've just been really impressed with him. I don't know if we can keep it up necessarily. Um... I'll have to take a look at Arizona's schedule. You know, see who they got coming up. Obviously, um, UCLA and Colorado aren't the two strongest teams in the country, but they're no slouches either. Um, you know, two teams that, uh, you know, UCLA always recruits pretty well, and um, Colorado was a, you know, top-ten team for most of last year. Um, looking at it, they play Washington State this week, USC next week. So those are kind of two telling games for me for Khalil Tate, but if he's able to keep that up, he's somebody who I think is a legitimate NFL quarterback. Yeah, they. I'm, I'm on the same same boat, in the same boat as you. He was someone that I really didn't even know um, existed, to be honest, before this, uh, this explosion. Arizona was not really a team I was looking at too closely because I didn't think they would be very good. Um, but yeah, he's he's been very impressive. And another team I know you wanted to talk about is Central Florida. Um, their advanced metrics are nuts, man. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. I just kind of wanted to give them a shout-out. Um, obviously, we don't talk about a lot of Group of 5 teams. They're undefeated this year. Their offense has been absolutely rolling. Um, Scott Frost, their coach, they were 1-11 the year before he took over. Um, now he has them with one of the most potent offenses in the country, undefeated. I'm sure he'll probably be the go-to uh, mid-major coach this year for uh, you know teams looking for a head coach. I know he's been rumored to be going to Nebraska. Um, I believe he went there. Um, Mackenzie Milton, their quarterback, is a guy that's been um, outstanding this year. Um, they won 63-21 to this week, and he was 21 for 27 for 324 yards, two touchdowns, which is just kind of par for the course for him. Um, he's been over 60% uh, completion rate in every game, uh, ha has uh, more than two touchdowns in all but one game, just three interceptions on the year, is able to run it a little bit, um, you know, a little smaller at 5'11", 177, so I'm not totally sure he has an NFL future, but just as a you know, college quarterback, this is a team that I think, you know, we could potentially have a undefeated top 15 matchup uh, at the end of the year between UCF and USF, um, you know, the way things are going with all these teams losing. I don't see either of those two teams losing before that game, so that just, just could be something interesting to watch. For sure, that's a map that everyone should have circled and would have thought, I mean, Central Florida, South Florida, but that's going to be that's gonna be a hell of a game if it all shapes up the way that we can. And Traquan Smith, their wide receiver, he has seven touchdowns already, 20 catches, 430 yards. So he's he's another guy that maybe we should be an eye on, but yeah, for sure. Central Florida, as what they're doing, definitely deserves uh, as much love as they can. Mm -hmm. uh, let's cover two more guys quick. Um, we talked about this uh, vaunted freshman running back class a lot. Um, might have left out the the best of the bunch, kind of, just because we don't talk about them a ton, because they don't play a lot of intriguing games, even though they are undefeated and the number six team in the country. Um, that's freshman Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. Um, he had you know another 200 plus yard game, his third of the season already as a true freshman. 
um, against Purdue this week, had 219 yards and a touchdown, um, has 986 yards so far in um, six games, which is, um, if you didn't know, that's pretty good. Um, also has 10 touchdowns uh, while averaging 7.8 yards per carry. He's physically ready, 5'11", 214, physical, uh, you know, physical runner as well. Somebody that'll be able to, you know, bowl over you, but he'll also be able to go around you. Um, so Taylor's just a guy I've been really impressed with. And one guy I know you've talked about a couple times um, who just absolutely went off this week is Michael Gallup. Uh, if you want to touch on him quick. Yeah, sure. He's he's just a, he's a guy that I was that I was really impressed with what he did last season. It was kind of um, it was the first year that he. I mean, it's actually his first year, I think, in um, in D one football. Um, but he had over twelve thousand yards last, or twelve hundred, excuse me, twelve hundred yards last year, fourteen touchdowns. Yeah, Whoa, I know, right? Quite the um, but yeah, he's he's doing he's doing something again, which is good to see that it wasn't just a one year flash, and he seems to be here to stay legit. At thirteen catches, two hundred sixty three yards, three touchdowns. That's a monster line against Nevada. Um, he's up to nine hundred fifty three yards on the season, fifty nine receptions, five touchdowns. So he, we have seen a bit of a drop-off in his touchdown production. Um, obviously, three touchdowns, it boosts it up pretty quick. But, um, yeah, I mean, he you know he played really well against Alabama. He had five catches for 81 yards this, this uh, earlier this season, which is something that I wanted to keep an eye on because that's clearly the toughest defense that he's going to face. But he's a guy that I really like for 2018, and I think that if he tests well, he could uh, – he's – He's definitely a guy that we need to be paying attention to as far as rookie drafts are concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to the previews for this week, uh, we're just, I just want to take a moment to talk about my bookie. Um, my bookie, there, um, you guys all know who's going to win, right? We, I mean, we've talked about this before. Jordan and I say we know who's going to win every week. They always do. We never, we're never <laughs> wrong. Um, not saying to take our advice again, but um, you can lay down some cash down there and win big today. Um, if you head on over to my bookie, they have that in-game live betting that we've talked about, which is really cool. So Auburn starts coming, or excuse me, uh, LSU starts coming back on Auburn. You think LSU's going to be able to pull out that comeback? You can go over and bet on that, which is really, 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 really cool. Um, so if you join my bookie now, um, they'll match your deposit with up to a hundred percent bonus if you use the promo code RotoCFB. Um, so if you head over to mybookie.ag today, use that promo code RotoCFB. Um, get that 100% bonus. Uh, you'll play, you'll win, and you'll get paid. Um, yeah, just real quickly, I wanted to throw in a, a personal touch. Um, I actually put down some money on a couple NFL games today. Was was lucky enough to hit on all three. Now, granted, I'm not a very uh, high stakes better by any means, but uh, my bookie is great because you you literally get paid right away. I can say that from personal experience today. Got paid right after the games were over. Money in your account, so it's definitely something we're checking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if, if you're feeling confident like Jordan, head on over there, and you'll get your money pretty, pretty soon, which is nice, which is always nice to have. Um, this week, we're going to meet, uh, it's not a loaded slate, it's a couple good games, top, a couple top 25 matchups, um, and then, you know, falls off a little bit. Um, first game up, we're going to talk about college game, they'll be there. Uh, uh, Michigan's heading to Penn State for the whiteout this week, uh, should be an exciting game. Um, Penn State hasn't really had a real tough test yet, I'd say. Um, you know, their, their best win is probably Northwestern or Iowa. Um, both games were on the road, so, um, or Indiana. You know, past three games kind of have been uh, all solid wins for them, but again, not that, you know, signature top 25 win that you'd like to see from a team that's now number two in the country. Um, Michigan, on the other hand, uh, fell to Michigan State two weeks ago, like we talked about, that monsoon. Um, and they, they pulled it out against Indiana this week. Well, it was a really tight game. They won 27-20 to 20 in overtime. Um, that offense is just in shambles for Michigan. Um, John O'Corn was 10 for 20 this week for 58 yards and interception. Um, I didn't think that they would could get much worse than Wilton Spate, and O'Corn has kind of proved me wrong, um, which is very concerning for that Michigan team. Um, Karan Higgins carried them this week at 200 yards rushing, but Penn State's rush defense is uh, excellent. Um, so I think they'll be able to kind of bottle up uh, Michigan in this game, at least in terms of offense. Um, in terms of the Penn State-Michigan matchup, um, I'm personally really concerned about Penn State's O-line versus uh, Michigan's D-line. Um, Penn State's offensive line is the weakness of their team. 
Uh, Michigan's D-line is the strength of their team, so um, I don't think that'll bode well for Saquon Barkley getting a lot of running room. Um, you know, they'll probably be stacking the box to try to contain him, which will free up those receivers on the outside to get some big plays. Um, so Penn State's going to need guys like Juwan Johnson and Deshaun Hamilton and DeAndre Tompkins to step up. Um, is a whiteout game at Penn State at home um, under the lights at night. They're going to be looking for revenge in this game after what happened to them last year, which probably kept them out of the playoff. They're favored by 10. I could see this game being a ugly 17-14 slugfest. I could see Penn State, uh, you know, popping a couple big plays early and Michigan kind of backing off and giving Barkley running room and Penn State blowing them out. Um, either way, call me a homer. I'm seeing Penn State win in this game. Um, I think they're going to cover too, just, uh, you know, with all the animosity they have for this game against uh, this Michigan team. Yeah, this feels like kind of a tough spot for Michigan. Like you said, you, you outlined their offensive struggles. It's, I mean, it's really bad. Um, just really bad on that side of the ball and and like you said Karan Higdon had a really big game last week but I don't think he's going to be able to do that against this Penn State defense which is really really good it feels like a good spot for their defense to the point where I think that they might be able to force some turnovers and maybe create some points off of those turnovers to kind of swing the game Um, I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to lay the 10 at home I think that if this line was just a tiny bit larger I would I would side with Michigan but it feels about right I don't think the Penn State will blow Michigan out they're too talented on defense and I kind of agree with you that this is probably going to be a relatively low scoring game which kind of gives me pause but I will lay the 10 um, confidence of about five on a scale of 10. <laughs> yeah I'm kind of in the same mode as yeah. you um, a couple different ways this way could go but I just see you know more outcomes with Penn State winning than with them losing. Um, next game up, we're going to talk about a team we haven't talked about in a couple weeks. Um, just they haven't played a ton of uh, marquee games. Um, Oklahoma State is traveling to Texas. Um, Oklahoma State's favored by seven points. Texas had an interesting game this week against um, Oklahoma. Like I said before, kind of went down to the wire. Uh, Sam Elinger has been great for them this year. I've been really impressed with him as a true freshman. Obviously, you know, a little inconsistent, but just as a you know, a runner and a thrower. He's kind of been the whole package for them. Um, I know we talked about him last week uh, having uh, 380 yards passing and 100 yards rushing against Kansas State. Kind of did something similar this week, 278 yards passing, uh, 110 yards rushing. Obviously, you know, needs to kind of get more consistent. Um, but just as a true freshman for Texas to kind of have that, kind of gives them a little bit of hope, which is always nice um, to see them bounce back. Um, we've talked about Oklahoma State before, like I've said. Just haven't talked about them in a while. They've been, uh, you know, keeping up doing what they're doing. One of the best offenses in the country. Mason Rudolph, Justice Hill, James Washington, still all doing their thing. Um, I'll let you gloat on uh, James Washington, uh, his big game this week. But I think we're both kind of in agreement that he's the wide receiver one. Um, I think Oklahoma State will win this game, but I think Texas might be able to get like a backdoor cover. Um, you know, maybe Oklahoma State wins by three or so. Um, Texas is just a feisty team that their defense kind of sets up when it has to, and I think they might be able to do that if they can bottle up James Washington a little bit this week. Um, so I'm going to take Texas to cover, Oklahoma State to win, and that's kind of a microcosm of, of what I see, you know, in the Big 12 as a whole, the top teams. Um, not a lot of separation between them, but, you know, talent will ultimately win out. Yeah, I like that pick. Um, and just as far as James Washington is concerned, I know that, you know, the the if there are any James Washington haters or detract haters and the losers, um, of which there are many, uh, I you know I know that I know he doesn't look like Calvin Johnson, but at the point I don't really care because all he does is produce, and and you know that's you can say that I guess about some people, but his production is he almost averaged 40 yards reception against Baylor, and it's Baylor I, I get that, but like, I don't know what else this dude needs to do. Um, he's my wide receiver one for the class, and I am willing uh, to die a hill. I, I don't. You know, if he comes out in the in the in the comp, lays an egg, then maybe interested. But as far as I'm concerned, right now the information we have available, he is the best wide receiver prospect in this class. Period. So right out of the way. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, this is this is an interesting spot. I th- I think that this is a game that I would probably be hands off with my own money because Texas coming off of that loss against Oklahoma, coming back home, getting points. You know, it all feels right for Texas, but. I am just 
you know, I have a hard time betting against Oklahoma State's offense. And I know that Texas is talented on defense, um, you know, and they can they can hold you know they can hold teams down on defense. But I think that for the purposes of the pod, I'm going to go Oklahoma State. I'm going to lay the points seven. Um, I'm just a believer in the offense, and that's pretty much why you know I think that they can score points. So that's pretty much what I'm basing. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, I'm interested on your thoughts on Elinger. Um just kind of as it pertains to Texas' future as a whole and kind of him as a prospect. Yeah, he's he's really interesting. Um, I, I watched some of the the Texas-Oklahoma game this weekend. It was kind of a crazy Saturday. True freshman, that's really what I keep coming back to is the fact that he looks like this as a true freshman. Not only physically, he's I mean, he's, he's big. He doesn't look like a true freshman. And he made a couple throws in that game that didn't look like true freshman throws either. Uh, in a good way. Um, so I think that, you know, from from what I've seen, he should be the starter. Shane Bichelle should be second string, and that's probably what's going to happen moving forward. But, you know, I think any notions of a QB controversy should probably be set aside for now until he proves otherwise. Um, and his rushing ability has been really encouraging too. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be sustainable or if that's what Tom Herman and the coaches want from him, but it's kind of been a necessity. But it's good to know that he has that ability in his back pocket if he needs it. So, yeah, I mean, it's been really encouraging for an 18-year-old kid to come in and play that way against top-level competition. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, probably the second best game of the week, the only other ranked matchup, is going to be uh, USC and Notre Dame. Um USC will be traveling to Notre Dame, where they're four and a half point favorites at home. Um, f- interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll let you handle the first show note you have here. Um, is Sam Darnold a fraud? If you'd like to take that away, um, do you think Sam Darnold is a fraud? Um, not necessarily, but I think I think that uh, you know that there's a there's a pretty sharp divide, I guess, on Twitter about Sam Darnold that I've noticed and. A lot of a lot of guys that that are way better at watching film than I will ever be have said that a ton of the turnovers that he's committed this year haven't actually been his fault. Um, whether it be you know tip passes, uh, whether it be defensive tip passes or wide receivers not catching balls, etc. And and I think that that kind of analysis is useful because we don't always get the full story from just the box score. But um, I don't know. I, I I think that maybe our are what we thought Darnold was after last season maybe was a bit inflated. I think that he can still be a very good quarterback, and I think he is a good quarterback, but I think the notion that I had entering the season of him as the QB1 might have been a bit premature considering that we didn't have that big of a sample size, and it could easily swing back the other way, especially if he doesn't come out this year. If he stays for another season comes back in 2019 or 2018 excuse me for the 2019 class and you know looks retooled and more accurate and less mistake prone then he could be the QB1 in 2019 I think it's just I I think that the hype was just maybe too big for him too soon and I think that maybe we just don't yet have the full picture and that's kind of where I'm standing I kind of hope he doesn't come out to be honest and I hope he's healthy through another season and gets better because I think he is a good quarterback but I think that maybe we were just a tiny bit premature on the hype, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think even with all that said, like like we've been saying, he needs to get more consistent. Uh, he definitely overhyped a bit. Um, I just am not sure who else you're really going to put over him at this point besides maybe Josh Rosen. Like I'm looking at our, um, our rankings over at DLF for you know quarterbacks. Um, he's at one, two, three, two, and one person has him at five. Um, you know, you. Can, I think we both like Baker Mayfield a lot. You can make an argument for Baker Mayfield. You can make that argument for Lamar Jackson. Um, I personally don't think Mason Rudolph is in that conversation, but it's kind of those four guys. And I think it's clear Darnold probably has the highest upside out of all of them. You know, Mayfield has the production. Uh, so does Lamar Jackson, and he kind of offers the dual threat ability as well. Um, I just kind of find it hard for to see him... Uh, you know, not being a top 10 to 15 pick unless he really, really gets picked apart. 
um, and even then you're still gonna have those flashes um, that you saw where he was being compared to you know that's why he was being compared to the next Andrew Luck um, you know compared to a guy like Josh Allen he's more consistent than him and he has bigger flashes I'd say and probably you know higher lows um, so I think it'd probably be beneficial for him to come back as well but I think in terms of you know being being you know at least in terms of uh, scenario outcomes he could bomb next year and you know lose himself a lot of money so I think developmental wise probably better for him to stay in school um, it's more likely that he'll just get better um, but I think in terms of um, you know actual NFL future and just future as a player I think it's better for him to kind of declare um, overall with this game though um, I'm, I'm with you I'm kind of confused why Notre Dame is favored um, that offense uh, after Brandon Wimbush has went out um, you know it's really heavily reliant on the on the run game um, and USC's defense is is a good one very good one um, Ian Bach Notre Dame's quarterback is okay a game manager I'd say um, but they're really not going to have any threats in the passing game. Um, I, I'm weirded out by how line, how how big that line is at four and a half. You know, I can see them being favored at home, but um, I'm going to take USC pretty heavily with the points in this game. I think they'll probably win that outright. Yeah, th- that's kind of why I noted that in the notes, just because the line opened. I'm actually looking at it right now. The line opened at three and a half, jumped up to four kind of splattered around since there but it doesn't seem to be that anyone's really jumped on USC so um, yeah it's it's kind of a confusing one for me you know Notre Dame is really, the offensive line is really good and if they can you know grind the ball and control the clock keep Darnold off the field I think they have a chance to win but my initial line on this I would have had it close to a pick em, to be honest maybe like maybe like one one and a half for Notre Dame so that's just my initial read. So off of that, mm-hmm. I'm gonna also I'm gonna take USC plus the points. But this is a, another one where it, it just doesn't something feels off to me. Like maybe it's something that we don't know. Um, but as of right now, I will lay the po- or I'll I'll take USC plus four and a half as well. Um, kind of a weird one though. I'm not quite sure what to make of it. Definitely, definitely a weird one. Um, you know, one of those lines that kind of stands out is one that could fluctuate throughout the week. Um, before we get to a couple more previews, I uh, just want to take a quick moment to talk about Draft. Uh, if you love fantasy football, you need to try our new favorite app, which is Draft. All you have to do is you draft for the week, um, and like I said, it's just one one week. There's no management, uh, so it's the best ball type of uh, league. You just set it, you forget it. Um, and Draft kind of takes everyone's favorite part of fantasy football, I would say, which is drafting, and condenses it into a daily fantasy format, which is also really cool. You know, we're getting to week seven of the NFL next week. Some teams might already be out of it. Um, gives you a way to keep drafting, which is cool, through the season. And also, you know, keep trying to win some money, keep improving. Um, so if you come join us on Draft today, you can download the app at any time. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to PlayDraft.com. And for a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. You just have to use our promo code RVRADIO. Um, you can play a real money game for free just for using that promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on draft. So just search draft in the app store, go to playdraft.com, and you'll be able to get that free entry, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, next game up we're going to talk about, um, speaking of quarterbacks, is Oregon traveling to UCLA. Um, Oregon uh, got pounded by uh, Stanford this week. Uh, watched a bit of that game. Bryce Love, uh, our guy. Had a tremendous first five minutes. I believe he had uh, five carries for 115 yards and two touchdowns in five minutes. So um, not a bad not a bad start for our guy. I believe he's moving up in the Heisman odds too. Um, I think he's closing in on Barkley, and I think he might have even passed him on a couple sites. Um, so kind of something to watch for. Um, just with Stanford, um, you know, Oregon's kind of in a tough situation because they did lose uh, the QB Justin Herbert a couple weeks ago. Um, but UCLA's offense is also uh, just as bad because without Josh Rosen, um, they really don't have anything. That run game isn't good. That offensive line isn't good. There's not a ton of weapons at receiver. Um, Oregon's defense is good. Their rushing attack is good. It's just that pass game for them, that question mark quarterback. 
as long as um, they're able to get competent QB play. Um, this is another line I'm kind of surprised about just because UCLA is not a great team, even though they do have the best player in this game. Um, but I'm going to take Oregon plus points in this game. Yeah, I think the story here is UCLA's defense, like you hit on. Um, they've just been very, very, very bad. And I think that we thought Oregon's defense was going to be worse than they actually are, especially um, against the pass. I think they've kind of overperformed our expectations. Um, it, it's a, it's definitely worrisome Oregon situation at quarterback because, you know, an away game at a state team that I think is pretty good, but they got next to no production, looked very incompetent uh, at the position. So that kind of worries me a bit. But um, I think that Royce Freeman is kind of the guy that I'm watching in this game. I think that he can do pretty much whatever he wants against UCLA's run defense. And I think that, you know, Josh Rosen is kind of entering, like, Lamar Jackson territory where it's it's literally he needs to throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns or else they're not going to win. And it's kind of just that simple. And I don't necessarily know if he can have that type of success against this Oregon defense that I think has improved. Um, so I think... With all that said, with how bad UCLA's defense is, I think I'm also going to take Oregon plus the points. But uh, it's just, I don't know. It, it's just kind of a weird spot. Um, I could see this really going either way, but uh, I'll take the points in a toss-up situation like this. Mm-hmm. Um, last game we're going to preview before we get to our upset picks is, uh, speaking of Lamar Jackson, Louisville traveling to Florida State, um, a game before the year that, um, you know, this was a, probably a potential college game day game before both these teams kind of fell off. Um, Louisville lost to Boston College this week, um, so that's a little unexpected. One guy I kind of just want to uh, point out for BC was their true freshman, um, A.J. Dillon, another true freshman that had a huge game. I believe he had 39 carries for a little over 200 yards, um, and he had a mean stiff arm where he literally threw a defender to the ground. Um other than that, like you said, you kind of just pointed out with Louisville, Lamar Jackson is literally the only capable player on their team of helping them to win. Um, it's all on him. He wasn't tremendous in this game, but when it's literally all on you, there's not much you can do, especially when you have that week in and week out. Um, Florida State, on the other hand, kind of had a, another close game against uh, Duke. James Blackman, um, I'm, I'm really concerned about uh as their quarterback, not just for this year. Obviously, he's a true freshman. Hopefully, he improves a bit. But um, kind of in the coming years, too, um, once DeAndre Francois graduates uh, next year, it's going to be Blackman, and uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name. They had another uh, four-star quarterback come in with Blackman this year, but they don't have a quarterback commit in this year's class, um, so they don't really have anyone coming in to help them out. And the 2019 QB recruiting class is not nearly as strong as the 2018 one. Um, so that's kind of just something to watch with for Florida State. I know they were kind of setting up as a potential, you know, challenger to the likes of Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson in the coming years. But they're a team that I think could be in for a bit of a, a fall off in the, you know, from that, uh, you know, top five type team, maybe more of a top ten to fifteen type team. Um, Cam Akers has been doing well for them. Um, finally, kind of getting into a groove as a true freshman, um, along with all the, all those other backs we've talked about. Um, Florida State's at home. They have probably the best defense Jackson will face all year. Um, again, another type of revenge game where they got blown out last year. Maybe missed the playoff because of it. Um, so I'm going to take Florida State uh, minus 7 here. I think it'll just kind of be too much for Louisville to handle. I think Akers could go off in this game. Yeah, it's really it's really sad to see what's happened to Louisville, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because last year, I mean, they were they were a good defense. I mean, Lamar Jackson did his thing, but the defense played really well last year. And there were losses and turnover, but it's kind of completely fallen off. Um, like you said, James Blackman, he just still, he, he looks like he's learning on the go, which he's doing, which, you know, it's kind of what we, what you should expect, I guess. And you mentioned the quarterback situation. Uh, Florida State was kind of in the running for Justin Fields, who who went to Georgia, uh, or committed to Georgia uh, last week. So that's another knock that you know helped not on the way for them. But um, yeah, I mean, it, like you said, this before the season started, I think we probably would have circled this game as a as a highlight game. Now it's just kind of a kind of a mad game. There's still talent on both sides, I guess, but I think that Florida State is clearly the deeper and the more talented team. And although I think that they could 
somewhat struggled to to move the ball even against this defense um i think that this could be a relatively low scoring game i think that the spread should be here i can see florida state winning this by two touchdowns um i i just don't know i, I don't know how well lamar jackson will be able to function against this defense um again it's kind of a kind of an iffy game but i think I think we'll make it a clean, clean sweep, and I'll also take Florida State, which means all the listeners should go and bet the opposite of all the picks we just made because we are guaranteed to be wrong. Yeah, that's usually how it goes for us. That's usually about par for the course for us. <laughs> um, for our upset picks this week, I'll let you go first. You have another ACC game um, if you want to talk about that quick. So Wake Forest traveling to Georgia Tech. Um, Wake Forest is getting seven points, and I know they're on the road, but I think Wake Forest's defense is actually pretty good, and I think they might be able to handle Georgia Tech's um, kind of gimmicky offense, um, running the uh, the triple option, wishbone, whatever you want to call it. Um, Georgia Tech was in a real tough game with Miami last week, and I think they really got up for that game, almost won, um, extremely close, and I think there could be a bit of a letdown, even though they're going to be at home. Um, so I kind of like Wake Forest. I don't know about outright, but getting seven, uh, that's the one I'll throw out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to be between two games. Um, first one I'll just talk about quick is Iowa State going to Texas Tech. Um, four and a half, lines between four and a half and six. Um, Iowa State's a team that I think has just kind of improved all around. Texas Tech might be, you know, falling a little bit flat after that last game. Um, just kind of a game to watch. I think that'll be an entertaining game at the very least. Um, the one I'm going to go with, though, is uh, Kentucky traveling to Mississippi State. Um, Mississippi or Kentucky's getting 10 points there. I just think the line's kind of big. Kentucky's been solid this year. Uh, Mississippi State kind of been uh, a very up-and-down team. Uh, I know Nick Fitzgerald was uh, tremendous for them this week. Um, but I don't know if Kentucky will be able to win this game, but I think they'll definitely be able to keep it close. They're a team that's got, uh, they, both these teams got top 25 votes this week two pretty uh you know capable teams of uh you know either of them winning this game so i think uh, 10 points is just a little high for mississippi state so i'll take uh, kentucky plus 10 there yeah i like that pick um I, I, that was actually one of the games that caught my eye as well so i'm glad you i'm glad you picked that one mm-hmm. um so that's gonna do it for this episode of the college football show uh for jordan again he's on twitter at j hoover 9787 and i'm kyle on twitter at kyle ff and thanks for tuning in take care y'all Thank you for listening to the College Football Show, a Rotoviz Radio podcast. Our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. 
Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You're over the big three carriers. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Now you can get unlimited with 5G included for just $30 a month on the nation's fastest, most reliable network. So break free from the big three and save with Xfinity Mobile. Take the savings challenge at XfinityMobile.com slash MySavings to see how much you can save when you get Xfinity Mobile and Internet together. Reduced speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Most reliable based on Root Metrics U.S. report. Results vary, not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.